magic and magical people, the unnatural order is all around us. There are white witches, black witches, demons, vamps, werewolves, shapeshifters, ghosts. It's a protoplasmic party of creature features out there. But unless you know where to look, you won't find them. I know where to look. My name is Harry Strange. Lilith's Gift, written by Tony Serechia and told by Parissa Johnston. Kanesht Rupert, please stay away. I promise I'll be good today. Traditional nursery rhyme. Once upon a time, in a small village just outside of the Black Forest, lived a widowed farmer and his three sons. The boys, aged twelve, ten, and eight, were huddled together under Johann's blanket, praying that tonight the monster known as Knesht Rupert would pass their house for children who misbehaved more than they did. Outside, a winter wind blew. A shutter slammed into the wall of the old farmhouse, sounding like a gunshot in the night. The reflection of the moon cast tree branches into sinister shapes on the wall of the boy's bedroom. A clawing hand there, the profile of a rotting corpse on the other wall. Under the moaning wind, another, more ominous sound began. It started out low and rolling, almost like thunder and the boys could feel the vibrations in their chests. As it continued, the rolling gave way to pounding. Horses? Johann said. Do you think it's him? Hans, the ten-year-old, asked. Just because it's Yule and Christmas Eve doesn't mean he's coming here, Johann said. The rumbling continued. The youngest boy, Wilhelm, thought it sounded like a team of demon horses being driven by the Morning Star himself. He could imagine their black and skeletal faces snorting fire through their muzzles, sharp teeth and dead eyes staring at his farmhouse. The hooves grew closer until the sound was almost deafening. Wilhelm was about to scream when the horses stopped abruptly outside the bedroom window. The boys could hear the horses. Eight, according to the stories, baying and neighing, an unnatural tone under all their sounds. There was a crack of a whip, and the horses fell silent. It's him! It's Knesht Rupert! I know it is! Wilhelm said. Shh, you little baby! Johann said. It's just someone visiting Papa! Heavy footsteps crunched through the snow, stopping under the boy's window. Wilhelm tried to remember if the tales about Knischt Rupert ever said anything about his ability to climb. Was he out there now, looking up the side of the house, sniffing, trying to catch the scent of the children? Did Knischt Rupert have claws? What if he could sink those claws into the wood and pull himself up with them? Wilhelm was sure he would wet himself and his brothers if a bearded face with red eyes suddenly appeared in the window. All three boys sighed with relief when the footsteps started up again. No one visits Papa this late, Johann, Hans said. The front door opened and an icy wind blew in and up the stairs. It's Knischt Rupert! Wilhelm said, and peed a little in his nightclothes. 
Something heavy slammed down on the first stair, followed by another. The boys huddled closer together. The echo sounded as if a whole army of trolls were marching up the stairs. Wilhelm poked his head out from under the blanket long enough to confirm that the bedroom door was still closed. Not that it would do much good against a demon like Kanesh Rupert, but it would at least give an additional buffer between them and him. He's coming for us, Hans said. We're going to be punished. Why isn't Papa doing something? Wilhelm asked, but he already knew the answer. It was in the rhyme the children told to scare each other. When Kanesht Rupert comes to town, the adults can't see him, they all fall down. The children run and the children hide. He beats them for misbehaving on the night of the Yuletide. Papa isn't doing something because he fell down. Kanesht Rupert's magic makes the adults fall asleep. Wilhelm grasped Johann's hand. Under normal circumstances, the older brother would have rejected such a childish action. But not tonight, not with Kanesht Rupert so close. Would transgressions tonight count as part of the punishment? The footsteps were in the hallway just outside of the boy's bedroom. I'll be good, I'll be good, I'll be good, Wilhelm said, sounding more like a prayer than a promise. He wondered how many strokes with the staff of discipline had he earned this year. Then a more terrifying thought occurred. Was there a punishment for just thinking bad things? The door to the room flew open and all three boys screamed. Ah! Deeper still in the black forest, a woman ushered two angels into her house. The woman's hair was as dark as the forest at midnight and her skin the color of cloves. Teeth that seemed unnaturally bright highlighted her red lips. What a wonderful surprise, Lilith began. The Yule log is nice and toasty. Gabriella cleared her throat. <clears throat> oh, excuse me, Lilith said, feigning concern. I meant the Christmas log. Let me pour you each. The sound of Gabriella's wings unfurling surprised Lilith, who turned in time to see the vast wingspan of the archangel filling the length of the room. Gabriella's wings were majestic, millions of golden feathers woven together with braids of silk-like fibers, reflecting and refracting light into a prism of infinite colors. Gabriella flapped her wings once, extinguishing the fire. Gabriella closed her wings and sat down opposite the massive stone fireplace. Hmm, Lilith said. You know why we're here, Lilith, Gabriella said. The joy of the season? Don't mock us, demon, said the other angel, jumping to his feet. Temper, little one, remember, this is the time of the truce. No smiting allowed, Lilith said. Gabby, maybe you should tell the whelping to listen while the adults talk. Lilith poured each angel a glass of wine as well as one for herself. So, what's the message from on high? Lilith asked, sitting opposite of Gabriella. Does he want me back? 
He's always ready to have you back, Lilith. You just have to apologize. And kiss his ass? <laughs> Not likely. He is the creator. He's due a certain level of respect and adoration. Gabriella replied. You say adoration, I say submission. And that's not really my style. Typical demon pride, Surreal said under his breath. Lilith regarded Surreal for a moment. Hmm. He is a tasty little pretty, Gabriella. Where did you find him? Gabriella tipped her glass. This wine is outstanding, Lilith. Thank you. It was a gift from Henry of the House of France. He gave it to me for... Gabriella shifted in her seat. Spare us the details, Lilith. Lilith's laugh filled the room. <laughs> Gabby, why do you always assume I've done something tawdry? I was the one who argued for Henry's life at the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. It helped that the de' Medici owed me a favor, and I always collect what's owed me. Now, if you want to talk about some of the other royals at the reception, well, that is probably not suitable for some of the little ears in here, even if this is the Renaissance. Surreal stood, his wings opening to their full width, only half as wide as Gabriella's. He drew a sword from within his robe, its blade immediately ignited to holy fire. Enough of this! You should be kneeling before us in worship, not chatting with us like equals. You're not even a real demon. Surreal reached the settee where Lilith sat and drew his sword back, preparing to strike. The blade flared up and a moment before it struck Lilith, poofed out. For her part... Lilith admired the swimmer's form that Surreal possessed, imagining what he would look like out of his robes and as she rode him, tasting the thin veneer of sweat that would cover his muscles. <laughs> they look so cute when their wands fizzle out on them, Lilith said laughing. She turned serious. The truce, my dear, tasty Surreal. Neither he nor the Morning Star will allow it to be broken. Now, since you tried to smite me during the time of smitelessness, and in my own house, what should I request for restitution? Surreal looked to Gabriella, who shrugged her shoulders. I warned you, Surreal. Lilith ran her hand along the angel's exposed arms tracing a path along the ridges of his biceps and triceps. She smiled when she saw him shiver. Lilith leaned in close to Surreal, her breath dancing erotically in his ear. She spoke slowly and seductively. Surreal, I want one of your... Hmm, feathers... Surreal jumped away from Lilith. I refuse. If I give you a feather... Lilith laughed and completed Surreal's sentence. <laughs> Have to grant me my petition. You owe me one. Isn't that grand? 
No, it's not right. You're just an enchanted human. The rules of the truce. Lilith slammed her hand on the table. I am so much more than an enchanted human. I was the first woman of the Bible, second only to Adam in creation. But that's not the point. The rules say that during the Christmas week there can be no acts of violence against angel or demon. I'd say swinging your flaming sword counts as a violent act. Before you leave my house, I will have a feather from your wings, and some day you will grant me my petition. <laughs> and I already know what I want. Lilith winked and licked her lips. Surreal returned to his place on the couch, his face turning red. The immense grandfather clock ticked off half a minute. Lilith spoke. So, what is it this year? Do you want me to whisper words into someone's ear? Deliver someone to you? Show Surreal what the artists mean by <laughs> fruitcakes? Kanesh Rupert, Gabriella replied. Why would Rupert warrant the attention of an archangel? He's just a man who does some errands for me. Hardly worth your time. Surreal started to speak and then closed his mouth. Gabriella stood, walked toward the fireplace, and waved her hand in front of the hearth. Where a second ago there had been just logs and soot, was now a fire burning brighter and hotter than any previously seen in this room. The flames danced for a moment or two, the heat from them forming waves on the skirt of the fireplace. Within these waves, figures began to form. It was like watching people through a highly polished glass, Lilith thought. They saw a young boy running across a snow-covered field. A man was running close behind. The boy turned back to gauge the distance between and fell forward. In an instant, the man, Kanesh Rupert, was on top of him, holding him down with one hand. With the other, he raised a staff about six feet in length, twisted and heavy, and then brought it down hard. The child's screams filled the room. You were a very bad boy this year. Kanesh Rupert said. The heat vapors wavered, and the scene was repeated with another child. And another. Each time, Kanesh Rupert listed the reasons why he was punishing the child. Each scene ended with a child lying in a puddle of his own blood. The screen went blank. That is why Kanesh Rupert warrants the attention of an archangel. You're tormenting the children, and at Christmas time... No, Gabby, you're so cute. Did you see me lay a hand on any of those children? Was that in any of your pictures? True enough, Lilith, but Kanesh Rupert is one of your pets. You are the one with the pets, my dear. What do you call them? Champions? Favorites? Something like that. Rupert is in my debt. He willingly gave his soul and service in exchange for a young girl he fancied. Lilith, I think your age is catching up with you, Gabriella began. Look toward the fire again. The flames rose up, heat vapors joining to form a polished surface. Rupert appeared as a young man, 
handsome, his back as straight as a staff. He was working in a field, his shirt off, showing a trim body with powerful muscles. A maiden runs towards him. Rupert sees her and goes to her. She's crying. Rupert tries to comfort her. A short time later, they're sitting under a tree. Maybe there's a mistake, Rupert said. The maiden had cried herself out of tears, though she still had the occasional sob in her voice. By her own words, she confessed. Why tell you now? To what game? The maiden looked away, twisting the apron on her frock. From this angle, Rupert could not help but notice the soft curve of her cheek. The maiden's alabaster skin stood in pleasant contrast to her strawberry blonde hair, which she had pulled back in a bun on the back of her head. Because she's a vile woman who had designs on my father while my mother was still alive. She wanted him all to herself, and now it looks as if she will have him. Rupert shook his head. I will take care of this. I will speak with her. But my stepmother's heart is hard and cold. You'd be more successful arguing with a bear to give you one of her cubs. Not your stepmother, the other. The one to whom you were promised. The maiden stood, her eyes wide with fear. No, my love, that is sure death. She is a monster, a horrible creature whose very existence is a foul and diseased pox on the land. Lilith bristled. Can we move this along? I am expecting company later. Gabriella nodded, the slightest of smiles spread across her lips. Rupert stood in front of a small church-like building deep within the black forest. The sun was setting and a wise man wouldn't have come to this place at this time of day. But a wise man wasn't trying to save his fair maiden. Rupert was. And if one wanted to converse with the gods of old, one approached them on their time, not his. Stone carvings of abominations of human forms lined the archways. Best not to look at them too long, Rupert stepped inside. Rupert expected the smell of death and decay. What else could a place like this smell like? but he was surprised that the inside of the temple smelled pleasant, like the scent of a lover's hair. He walked past two statues of nubile women holding crystal globes over their heads. The wall behind the altar had a naked woman carved into it. Her full breasts and erect nipples held Rupert's attention as easily as a bone holds a dog. It doesn't really do me justice, does it? Lilith said. Rupert jumped, startled by the interruption. Don't you think these are much more impressive in person? Lilith asked, rubbing her hands over her breasts. Rupert watched, his face blushing. Don't be shy. I know what you want. Lilith rubbed against Rupert. You do? Lilith felt Rupert's hair and beard. She put one hand on his chest and started rubbing down across his stomach, over his belt. Rupert stepped away. Tell me what you want. I'm sure we can work something out. Rupert took another two steps away from Lilith. You're 
not what I expected. Rumors of my vileness have been greatly exaggerated. You came here for a reason. No one, especially men, ever enter my temple without a purpose in mind. Rupert and Lilith watched each other for a moment. Lilith raised an eyebrow. The maiden who was promised to you by her stepmother. I'm here to bargain for her freedom. Lilith's expression didn't change at first. Then she smiled, a big, toothy smile that made Rupert take another step away. You're here to bargain? <laughs> Pray, young man, what do you have to bargain with? Rupert looked around. He hadn't expected to get this far in the conversation. Truth be told, he hadn't really thought what he would say after he told Lilith he wanted the maiden. Um, I can do work here. Maintain the grounds of your temple. Lilith laughed. <laughs> I have minions for that. You'll have to do better. Do you realize that you're asking me to give up a potential succubus? Do you know how difficult they are to find? When Rupert didn't answer immediately, Lilith spoke. So handsome, yet so stupid. Because I'm feeling sweet today, I'm going to let you leave. Go back to your farm. Kiss the maiden. Tell her she will always be in your heart, and then walk away. At that moment... Three boys about twelve years old ran into Lilith's temple. They carried eggs, no doubt stolen from their parents' farm. Without speaking, yet timed perfectly, they each threw an egg at the statue representing Lilith. They turned and ran out of the temple. Lilith threw her arms up, wings tearing through her back, and began to take launch. Rupert touched her arm. And though it was hot to the touch, and felt as if there were hundreds of snakes squirming just under her skin, held on. Let me. The three boys were just outside of the grounds. Don't run, boys. I know where each of you live. Why would you desecrate a sacred place? Ain't a sacred place, mister. My papa said that's where whores come from. When he was close enough to the boy who said whores, Rupert grabbed him by the arm. Hey, let go of me. Rupert dragged him to the temple. No! Don't take me in there! You were just so anxious to be there. I'm going to introduce you to the mistress of the temple. Help! Help me! This guy's crazy! His two friends looked at each other and then took off running in the opposite direction. Inside the temple, Lilith was waiting for Rupert. Who is this naughty little whelping? Lilith asked, running her finger down the side of the boy's cheek. Rupert took notice of the length of Lilith's fingers. The boy tried to pull back, but Rupert held him tight. I can keep your temple safe from these naughty children. I know your father, boy. He comes here often, bragging about his conquests. Does your mother know about that? Lilith said. Her fingernails began to grow and twist. The boy's eyes widened. You are a witch, the boy said. 
Warm blood flowed over Rupert's hand, and he dropped the body to the floor of the temple. What have you done? Rupert asked Lilith. No one calls me a witch. You want to save your maiden? Rupert looked to the boy's body and then back to Lilith. Clean that mess and prepare his body as a sacrifice to me. Then we'll talk about how you can serve me and save your fair maiden. Lilith licked her fingers as she walked away. Rupert ran from the temple, vomiting just as he stepped outside the door. The sun had gone down and an early chill filled the air. When Rupert felt his stomach was empty, he returned to the temple. This season on Harry Strange. When I was able to see again, I checked the tomb and found the scepter and my champion were gone. I want Harry Strange. I'm not the man you think I am. I don't believe in angels, devils, or anything in between. Three days ago, the abominations attacked us. I managed to get in here, but not before this. Do you love Harry Strange? You are damned in the eyes of God. What? Who is Harry Strange? Mm, we're just getting started. Download all new episodes of Harry Strange starting February 6th online at www.harrystrange.com or via iTunes. Keyword, Harry Strange. Of his own free will. Just like I said. So, if there is nothing else... Lilith stood. Her guests did not. You are a monster, Cyril said. Lilith smiled. He desecrated my temple. You are a false idol. You don't deserve a temple. And you owe me a feather. Care to make it too? Gabriella nodded toward the fireplace again. In the vision, they saw Rupert, older now, arguing with Lilith. You've been watching him for a long time, Lilith said. This took place about a hundred years or so ago. Rupert had been serving me for a little over sixty years at this point. No deeds are hidden from an archangel of the Lord of Hosts, Cyril said. Lilith's adidam was deep within the temple. Even her novices were unaware of its exact location, which is why, when Rupert entered holding a scythe, Lilith looked mildly surprised. "'My debt to you is over,' he said. The years had not been kind to Rupert. His skin was gray and dry. His beard, which was once lush and soft, was now ashen and scraggly. Rupert hunched as if he were collapsing under a great weight, and his shirt strained against a rotund stomach. Lilith thought he looked a little like a troll. Mm, how did you come to that conclusion? My maiden is dead. A pox took her early this evening. I ask that you release me so I may join her. Lilith smiled and stopped writing. You wish to join her in death? Have you been reading Shakespeare? Rupert looked confused. Never mind. Lilith said. She picked up her pen, dipped it, and began writing again. 
For a long time, the only sounds in the room were the scratching of Lilith's pen against the parchment and Rupert's laboured breathing. Four pages later, Lilith looked at Rupert. Is there anything else? Lilith said. Am I released? You are released until I need you again, Lilith said. That's not fair. My service to you was only to be while my maiden lived, so you wouldn't take her. Lilith laughed, but it wasn't joyous. Anyone nearby would have been driven insane by its sound. <laughs> oh, Rupert, Knesht Rupert, your maiden wouldn't have done me any good as a mortal. It's not until mortal women cross the veil into death that they can serve me. You should have offered to be my servant after your maiden died. If I release you now, I will claim the maiden as mine, per my original agreement with her stepmother. Rupert looked confused again. Slowly, the weight of Lilith's words sunk in. But that means... That means you spent a lifetime in service to me that you could have spent with the maiden. You needn't have honored your agreement with me until after her death. All these years, Rupert began. You tricked him, Lilith. You are a foul being, Surreal said, jumping out of his seat. Lilith stepped into his path. I did nothing of the sort. He made the assumption I was taking the maiden while she was still alive. I have no idea where he got that idea. Now, Surreal, why don't you give me your feather and you and Gabby can be on your way? Surreal's eyes narrowed to slits and his hand tightened on his sword. Why the children, Lilith? Why send Rupert after the children? Because she's the most vile and evil creature in all of creation, Surreal said fully ready to draw his sword, truce be damned. Lilith put her hand over Surreal's sword hand and whispered, Hmm, that's a firm grip you have there. What if I give you something better to hold on to? Lilith's gaze locked onto Surreal's eyes. The children, Lilith, answer my question and release Surreal. Lilith held her gaze a moment longer, enjoying the slight tremor running through Surreal. She ran her tongue slowly around her lips. Lilith was almost certain she saw a look of lust in Surreal's eyes. Abruptly, she turned away from him. I thought it would be obvious, Gabriella. I'm just doing the Lord's work. Rupert only disciplines the children who are bad. Gabriella rolled her eyes. Lilith, you're not as clever as you'd like to think. Why the children? Does it matter? Is there a reason I could give you that would make you scratch your pretty little illuminated head and say, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Both angels looked dumbfounded. No one had spoken to them this way in a very long time. Okay, one reason. I knew this day would come. Lilith said. 
What do you mean? And you say I'm not clever. I knew that one day you or one of your sister or brother Seraphim would show up here and ask me to stop hurting the children. You would try to appeal to the spirit of the season, to which I would laugh. Then you'd get all blustery, telling me how children are innocents, how they are the future, and some other do-it-for-the-good-of-the-children argument. And I'd laugh again. I like having the children terrified by my Knecht Rupert. I especially like having their fathers worried what will happen to their spawn if they don't do as I ask. We will take him from you, Cyril said. Lilith laughed again. Oh, surreal. You are so pretty and oh so daft. Both admirable qualities in a man, mortal or otherwise. You saw for yourself. Rupert willingly put himself in my service. That he misunderstood when he needed to join me is not my fault. If it were possible for you to simply take him, do you think Gabby would be having this conversation with me? No. The only way to free Rupert is if I ordain it, and I don't see that happening. I think our visit here is finished. Angels, have a wonderful Yule. Lilith stood and walked toward the door. Surreal and Gabriella followed. Gabriella, there must be something we can do. We cannot let her continue harming children. Surreal put his hand inside his robe, resting it on the hilt of his sword. Lilith was standing at the open door. I do enjoy our little visits. Please, feel free to stop by any time. The next time I see you, it won't be during the truce. I will smite you on sight. Lilith smiled at Surreal, her finger tracing a line from his lips over his throat and stopping at his chest. You may find that I don't smite as easy as you think, even under the blade of an archangel in training. You should reconsider, Gabriella said. It would go a long way with the father. Your father, not mine. Not so fast, angel boy. Lilith placed her open palm on Surreal's chest. Hand over your feather. Surreal looked at Gabriella for support and received none. Resigned, he opened his wings. They were not as majestic or beautiful as Gabriella's wings, but, as Lilith correctly guessed, he was not an archangel, and, after his behavior here, it was unlikely to ever happen. Surreal was about to hand his feather to Lilith when Gabriella stopped him. "'What do you want?' the archangel asked Lilith. I want his feather, and I want his body, and I want you out of my house, Lilith replied. She reached for Cyril's feather, but Gabriella snatched it first. I meant for Rupert. Tell me what it will take to free him. Oh, Lilith said, her voice dropping an octave and her eyes narrowing. I don't think either of you can afford that prize. The door to the children's room flew open and all three boys screamed.
Standing before them was a troll of a man holding a twisted rod in one hand. His scraggly beard looked as if things were crawling in it, and his teeth were black and brown like rotting tree stumps. The stench of feces and body odor surrounded him like a fog. Kanesht Rupert swung the rod in the air, then slammed it into the floor. Wilhelm, son of Jacob, stand before me to accept your punishment. Wilhelm did not move. None of the boys moved. The blanket they huddled under looked as if it might have been covering three statues. Indeed, the boys hoped that Kanesh Rupert would think he was in the wrong house and move on if they didn't give any indication they knew he was there. This is not the time for hide-and-go-seek, Wilhelm. I will add disobeying your elders to your already ample list of punishments if you are not out here by the time I count to three. One! Kanesh Rupert stepped closer to the bed. He swung the rod again, this time hitting the end of the bed, the force of which collapsed the front feet of the bed. The boys fought not to slide forward. Wilhelm bit the inside of his mouth to keep from screaming. Two! With one hand, Kanesh Rupert pulled the mattress closer to him, swinging the rod again. The boys felt the wind from the rod. It crashed into the wall, leaving the hole the size of a fist. Three. A gnarled hand pulled the covers off the boys. Kanesh Rupert's crooked fingers reached toward Wilhelm and grabbed him by his hair. Wilhelm began screaming when Kanesh Rupert pulled him off the bed. Johan! Hans! Help me! They will have their turn soon enough, Kanesh Rupert said. Still pulling Wilhelm by his hair, Kanesh Rupert stood Wilhelm up, then pushed him face forward in the corner. Don't turn around if you know what's good for you. From one of his many pockets, Kanesh Rupert pulled a parchment. At the top, written in the scroll of someone who could not handle a pen very well, was Wilhelm's name. Under that was a list of punishable deeds committed by Wilhelm over the past year. You've been a naughty boy this year. I think sixty strokes with the staff of discipline will be a good start. Please don't, Wilhelm said between sobs. Spare the rod, spoil the child, Rupert said. He raised the staff above his head and spun it once, bringing it down toward Wilhelm's back. The whooshing sound grew loud in Wilhelm's ear, and he braced for impact, remembering how the staff shattered the base of the bed and punched a hole in the wall. A bright light filled the room. When the light faded, two angels wearing the brightest of robes stood between Kanesh Rupert and Wilhelm. Surreal drew his sword and sliced the staff of discipline in half so that it flew harmlessly away from Wilhelm. Kanesh Rupert looked at the half in his hand and then back to the angels. He raised his staff over his head to strike. Gabriella stepped between Kanesh Rupert and Surreal, placing her hands on either side of Rupert's face. He looked into her eyes, then fell to his knees, grasping for the hem of her robe and burying his face at her feet. Death take me. I am not worthy to be in the presence of two such as you. I am a bad man who has done terrible things at the succubus's request. That I had an eternity to make up for it, I would. Kill me so I may begin my eternal punishment in hell. The boys were not sure how to react. Wilhelm had never seen an angel before, 
but he was sure that's who had saved him from Ganesh Rupert and the staff of discipline. He would have hugged them, save for Surreal still holding the flaming sword. Kill him! Johann screamed. He's a monster! The angels turned to look at Johann, who jumped off the bed, his nightshirt in disarray, hair sticking up and sideways. He had picked up the bottom part of the staff and was holding it in front of him like a sword, the jagged part facing Knesht Rupert. Johann no longer looked like a scared little boy. He looked like the man he might be one day. And that man was crazy. He's evil, and he deserves no pity! Surreal stepped between Johann and Knesht Rupert. Sit, child, and mind the adults. Johann continued to advance. He was within striking distance of Surreal when he drew the staff back as if to jab the staff into Surreal's chest. Even the father judges no man until the end of his life. How dare you! A farmer's son presumed to know another man's heart. Surreal lifted Johann with one hand and tossed him backward, over the bed and into the wall on the other side of the room. Hans leaped from the bed and rushed to his brother's aid. I am afraid the boy speaks the truth, Master Angels. I have done horrible things and deserve no pity from them or you. Smite me and I will dutifully accept my eternal damnation. Gabriella touched him on the shoulder. Rise, Rupert. Rupert buried his face in the bottom of Gabriella's robe. When he spoke, it was muffled and full of remorse. Mistress Angel, I am not worthy to look upon you. I have been the evil one's servant for so long, I feel I would contaminate you with my gaze. You know all the horrible things I've done. Gabriella reached down and took Rupert's head in her hands. He offered little resistance as she lifted him towards her, the glow of her skin irradiating him in warmth he had never felt. Look at me, Rupert. Rupert opened his eyes to slits. The light from Gabriella was bright, but, unlike staring at the sun, did not hurt Rupert's eyes. In fact, quite the opposite. It felt good to see that light. Love and total contentment filled Rupert's heart. We know Lilith tricked you, and we have heard the pleas and prayers of your maiden. Tonight, we free you from your burden. You will enter the gates of heaven. Rupert's tears were of joy. His maiden had saved him. Mistress Angel, I am overwhelmed to be free from Lilith. But before I can enter into heaven and see my maiden, I must make amends to the children. Alas, I entered into obligations to Lilith of my own free will. I must perform some penance before I enter paradise. Gabriella and Surreal exchanged glances. Gabriella looked back at Rupert and touched his chest. His hair became lush and white, and the spark of life returned to his eyes. What did you have in mind? Gabriella asked. A way to pay back my debt, to repent for all the fear and terror I caused the children. A young woman who did not know Rupert knocked on the door of Lilith's inner sanctum. Have you decided? Lilith asked her finger running over the feather she held in her hand. I am prepared, my domina. Very good, Theophiona. Lilith looked over her newest succubus. 
The girl had a sweet, almost angelic face, and was pert in all the right places. She would bring in many souls. Lilith was thinking of a specific monk whose crusaders had burned several of her temples. He would enjoy a maiden like Theophiona. Excuse me, Domina, is that an actual angel's feather? Theophiona asked. It is, and I have two of them, given to me freely by an archangel, Lilith said. An archangel in your debt? You are truly worthy of praise and adoration. Lilith laughed. <laughs> you and I are going to get along wonderfully. Come now, there are several of my girls I want you to meet, and an elderly monk who has your name on him. Lilith took Theophiona's arm and they stepped into the ether. Had Lilith waited another second, she would have heard the first sounds of repentance. As the ringing of sleigh bells and jolly laughter filled the sky, Hey guys, Tony Sarecki here. Hope you had a Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Hanukkah, or whatever flavor of holiday you celebrate at this time of the year. Um, this was our little Christmas gift to you. It was Christmas in the Strange Verse, Lilith's Gift, and it was written by me, Tony Sarecki, and told to you by Parissa Johnston, our, uh, our local, friendly neighborhood Lilith. Uh, the story's copyright 2011 by Tony Sarecki. I uh, hope you caught the promo in the middle there. Um, we are going to be airing season two of Harry Strange starting G uh, February 4th, and it will be available at KSU Radio, um, Griffin Radio, and Silly Snowman Radio, midnight at whatever your local time is on Saturday, right? So East Coast, KSU Radio, midnight uh, Eastern time. And um, KSU is actually going to do a replay on Sunday nights at 10 p.m. local Eastern time. You can download new episodes at iTunes, and the keyword there is just going to be Harry Strange. Um, or you can download them at www.harrystrange.com. Jingle Bells, which is playing in the background here, was performed by the Marine Corps Band, and it's available as a uh, public domain tune, so good on the copyright thing. Once again, I hope you guys are having a great holiday. Thank you for listening to Harry Strange. Looking forward to entertaining you in Season 2.